Welcome to Living Word Bible Church, a lovely place for families where we have a passion to sing great songs to Jesus and where sound Bible teaching is central in home groups and in preaching at Sunday services. Living Word Bible Church, teaching the Bible verse by verse. Good morning everybody and welcome to Living Word Bible Church. Um, whether you're following on live stream or picking up afterwards on uh, YouTube or listening in your car perhaps on the, um, on the app. Today's reading comes from Matthew. It is uh, verse 24, 36 through 51. The day and hour unknown. But about that day or hour no one knows not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. Up to the day Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill, one will be taken and the other left. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of a house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you must also be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom the Master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whose Master finds him doing so when he returns. Truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions but suppose that servant is wicked and says to himself, my master is staying away a long time. And then he begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunkards. The master of the servant will come on a day when he does not expect him at an hour that he is not aware of. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Yvonne. Great. Love your reading. And, uh, and a passage that we're going to reflect on uh, relates to Philippians. Uh, just a bit of background. A lovely talk there, Katie, on apologetics. She's stealing all my thunder. I'm actually working towards a series, maybe next year, Katie, do a series of lectures on the very subject that you did today. So thanks. That was wonderful. Uh, it was distracting me. I was trying to just go through my notes, but I could hear Katie, and, and I was wanting to listen. So if the, if the sermon's all missed, you know, mixed up, messed up, you know why. Anyway, look, thanks, mate. We're back in Philippines, and we're going to finish the book next time. <laughs> okay? We're going to sum up the whole book in two messages. And you ought to be saying to yourself, if he can do the whole of Philippians in two messages, why has he spent 20 so far? 
Okay? Uh, yeah, you need to get a, somebody who can uh, uh, speak more succinctly. But now we're going to try and sum up and just capture the whole of the book in these two messages. So let me begin. Let me begin. Look, we're going to run very quickly through it. So look, firstly, I want to talk about gospel priorities. If I was summing up the book of Philippians, it would be with this title, Put the Gospel First. It's the whole message. If you hear nothing else about Philippians but that, you've heard all of the message. Put the gospel first. And I want to look at with you what that looks like. I mean, it's, it's a wide, you know, a wide field of study, isn't it? You could say. I want us to look at it carefully, or briefly rather, what that looks like. Firstly, we've got four headings. We'll try and get through them all this morning. Otherwise, you'll have four plus whatever's left from this week, next time. You wouldn't want that, would you? Okay, firstly, put the gospel ahead of personal or suffering, just generally. Put the gospel ahead of suffering. Verse 12, chapter 1. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served the gospel. What? Feel free to respond. What has happened to Paul? Thanks, mate. He's in jail. He's in a Roman jail. If you followed, if you're following the daily devotions that I do, we've just been doing acts together, following some of that. He goes on trial after trial. He gets shipwrecked. He almost loses his life. He gets bitten by a snake, possibly a lethal viper, and survives. He's in prison for two years, awaiting to go before Emperor Nero. Does anybody know anything about Emperor Nero? Yeah, I think I've got a quote, haven't I, somewhere? I think there's a quote there, Greg. One of the vilest men ever, let me just quote it, ever the vilest, one of the monster of wickedness, one of the vilest men ever to have occupied a throne. What would you think Paul would be feeling or be interested in in that scenario? In prison, waiting to face Nero, you know, got there by the skin of his teeth. What would occupy his mind? Well, 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 possibly. Yeah, I'm going to get there in a minute. Okay, what would occupy my mind? How am I going to get out of here? Where's my next meal? You know, how are the people within my circle of interest doing? You know, why me, God? You know, how long is this going to go on for? You know, how did I end up in this mess? I only wanted to preach the gospel. And look at where I am. And for Paul, not for Paul, look, he's writing from that situation. But listen to him, verse 12. I want you to know, brothers, here's what I'm thinking. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has, has really served to advance the gospel. Can you see what he's thinking, what his, where his thoughts are, what his priority are? It's not on the next meal. It's not. It's not. Okay? This is his chance to get a letter out there to the church. You'd think he'd be asking for pity parties, wouldn't you? But it's not. He's going, okay, I want you to know this is, this is a good thing. Uh, not for me personally, uh, but this is a good thing for the gospel the gospel listen to verse 13 as a result as a result of me being in prison it has become clear throughout the whole 
palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Palace guards. They look worse than him. Seriously. Seriously. These are hardy men, right? Okay? Who would never hear the gospel. I mean, what chance have they got for someone preaching the gospel to them? They wouldn't even give someone the time of day. But they, Paul was probably handcuffed to a soldier most of the time he was in house arrest. Okay? What do you have? If someone's handcuffed to you and you can't keep your mouth shut, what have you got? A captive audience. Lee knows that. Whenever we're doing setup in the morning, he's like he's handcuffed to me. And I can't get away from him. I have to listen to him the whole time. And he doesn't stop. Right? Okay, a captive audience. He's got a captive audience. And so these hardened men, okay, who are taking it in turns, are hearing the gospel. There's more. Verse 14. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord, now talking about the church, have been encouraged to speak to the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. I mean, look, if you're... If your pastor had been locked away, don't get too excited, okay? If your pastor gets locked away for the gospel, what are you thinking? Hey, better dumb it down. Maybe we'll have a Sunday off. Hey, why don't we do online stuff now? Because it's safer. Yeah? The church here? No, mate. Get out there. Let's join Paul for the gospel, for Jesus. Bring it on. That's what the church is doing, really. That is what they're doing. Look, they're encouraged, not discouraged. They're speaking more, not speaking less. They're fearless, not fearful. And so Paul is looking on this, he's hearing all this, and he's making some sense of his predicament. Hey, this is advancing the call. Remember we talked about investment the last couple of weeks? This is advancing the cause that I'm invested in. And so the gospel is advancing, and the point is this, Christian. The gospel comes first. Remember Andrew, uh, one of the disciples, when uh, he came to faith, the first thing he does when he comes to faith, does anyone remember? The first, his first action that's recorded anyway, when he comes to faith, he... Yes, thanks, Bron. He goes and tells somebody else about Jesus. Do you know, you notice this mostly with new Christians, and it's awful indictment on us, I think, that we only notice this with new Christians. When someone gets converted, you know they get converted, because what do they do? Thanks, yeah, thanks, Des. Graham. They tell everybody. They can't help talking about it. Everybody knows. It's the only thing that's on their minds, on their tongues. They tell somebody, and then what happens? We get really mature in the faith, really grown up. And then what do we do? We stop telling people <laughs> about Jesus. Don't we? All the fear and everything else encroaches on us. Paul could say, hey, hey, I'm putting the gospel first here. In that, hey, I'm telling people about Jesus in my predicament. Do you know you know the best witnesses for Jesus are the ones, the ones who in real life predicaments 
doing real life. Because that's where people are. You know, the worst way to preach the gospel is, you know, you know, come to faith and your life will be great, just like mine. It's not testimony, okay? That's a false dream, it's a lie. The greatest gospel is, hey, do you know, since I became a Christian, I've found all kinds of perplexing situations I've been in. But you know what? I've got a companion. I sense God is with me. I, I sense him directing my life through his word. And when things are difficult, uh, when things are difficult, I, I, I have a sense of help. I, I have a community. I was telling someone that this morning at 8 o'clock, trying to set up here with Lee. Lee and I'm trying to counsel somebody on the telephone. Okay? And then my point was simply this. You need a community. A community that cares for you. And that's what a Christian has. We have a community in here. You guys, we are a community. We, 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 we shoulder together. We scrum together. We encourage one another. That's real Christianity. Paul has that. Paul may have been stuck in prison, but what community does he have? Who's he writing to? The whole church is behind him in prayer and camaraderie. And so Paul is saying, hey, this is advancing the gospel. I've got a, I've got a captive audience People are empowered because of where I am. Christian, our sufferings may be the very thing God is using to advance the kingdom. Number one. Number two, number two, put the gospel ahead of differences. Do you know one of the things I've discovered about Adelaide? It's very different to the UK. The people look the same. You know, you know not so good looking, obviously, but they, they look similar. Okay? They look similar. Right? The place is similar. Oh, there's much more heat here. Mind you, at the moment, it's much hotter back there than here. So they say. Okay. But look, there's a, it's very different. The church scene here is very different. Okay? And you know, you can, you can begin to do anything, actually. I don't think they'd be good gospel partners. I mean, smoke machines? We were talking about this morning. Matt wants to install smoke machines here. <laughs> Seriously. Okay? You know, you think smoke machines, strobe lighting, fancy, you know, coolie strafe, you know, you look, I don't have very good clothes, I'm sorry, I'm like a black, you know, that's, that's all I've got. You know, you know, and I'm sorry I'm not that trendy, right? Look, I'm nearly 50 for goodness sake, how trendy do you want me to be? Okay? Right? You know, and, and you're thinking, are these gospel partners? Thanks, thanks. Steph, are these gospel partners? I can't work with these people. They're not gospel partners. Look what they do. Look what they practice. Look what they believe. You know, it's a very different place. Listen to Paul. The former preached Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerity, supposing they can stir up trouble for us. What does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. Can you see what Paul is saying? I don't care. I don't care that I've got a smoke machine. I really don't care. I don't care what he wears. I don't care what dance group he has. He can have them all. Who cares? What does Paul care about? All he cares about, okay, is that you preach Jesus Christ, him crucified, risen again, faith in his name, 
Okay? And if you're doing that, you can have 10 smoke machines. I really don't care. I've got to say that because people have those in Adelaide. Okay? And we don't write these people off. Okay? Paul, I don't think Paul would have written them off. Okay? Look, Paul encountered everything from envy, rivalry, selfish ambition. There was a lack of sincerity. So can you see how broad this is? Okay? We can't say, but they're not as sincere as... No, he encountered all this. You know, they intended trouble for him. Some of these people now dare were trying to heap coals, heaps of coal on Paul's head, weren't they? He's in prison. Let's go and take over. No doubt some of these people have lost their prominence since Paul had been on the scene. And Paul goes, I don't care. Let them have the limelight. Who cares? Okay? I don't care why they're doing it. I don't care about their motive. I don't even care how good they are. All I care about is they're doing it. Preaching Jesus. Preaching repentance. Preaching faith in his name. Preaching a journey of discipleship. Lee and I were talking to one of the people that we support in church. And Lee will tell you, I asked exactly those questions. Because that's what matters. I don't care how they do it. We just want to know that the gospel is preached. And Paul says, so long as the gospel, the authentic gospel of Jesus Christ is preached, you can... You can present it however you please. And that's important to remember this. Do you know how we're doing church here? It's not New Testament. It's not. Because the New Testament does not give us a model of church. It doesn't tell you what you can and can't have, how many cameras you can and can't have, how many smoke missions you can and cannot have, how many dance groups. It doesn't tell you any of that. All it tells you is you have the preaching of the word, you have the singing of songs to Jesus, you have the breaking of bread, and you have prayer, and you fellowship. And as long as you've got those, you can do whatever you please, mate. It's the biggest mistake the Brits made in missionary work. Do you know, do you know the empire used to cart organs and false suits to India in 40 degrees to preach the gospel. Where'd you get that? Where'd you get that in Acts 2 and 3? And so we can allow for differences. Okay, you know one of the things that surprised me when I came to Australia? The guy turns up to church in his thongs and shorts. And for international visitors, thongs are the things you wear on your feet in this country. Okay? <laughs> Let me make that clear, Lee. Okay, and I'm like, has this guy got no respect for the place of worship? Doesn't matter. Oh, look, it's taken me four years to realize that. Okay, you'll see me in thongs next week. The, the shoe type. Okay? <laughs> right? Who cares? So long as you preach Jesus. Number two. Number two. Put the gospel ahead of opposition. Of the gospel ahead of opposition. Listen to this. What happens, happens what ha whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. Okay, in verse at the end of the verse there, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way 
by those who oppose you. What's happening to the church that Paul is writing to? He's writing to Philippi at one stage, we know, don't we? What's happening to them? Yeah, they got struggles. People are opposing them. The Roman government collectively, do you know the early church had the, the full weight of the brutal force of Rome against them for 300 years? One of the first essays I wrote at Bible College, you know, the persecution of the church on the, on the first 300 years. It was brutal. And then they had the Jews. Fellow countrymen opposing what they were doing, you know, objecting and obstructing the gospel. And Paul is saying, look, 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 I know all that, but I want you to contend as one man for the gospel without being frightened in any way by anyone who opposes you. I guess one of the biggest surprises we have as Christians, and I was a surprise to me, is that people oppose the gospel. There's opposition, even in the West. Hey, it's how it works. Oh, we have we've got an aviator here. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but but uh, uh, I know I'm wrong already. I know, <laughs> but I'll try. For a plane to take off, its its wings, in order to work effectively, it has to have the opposition of what wind. In fact, is this true that when a plane would choose to fly into the wind to take off? Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. correct. Friends, opposition is what makes us. It gives us lift. It shows our authenticity. There's an adversary. Hey, if things were easy here and we never had any opposition, you want to go to a different church because no one's interested. If Satan is not interested in our church, well, like I say, there's a big term. There's only one of them. He's not omnipresent. Okay? If one of his cronies is not interested in us, we're doing something wrong. Okay? Opposition is what gives us lift. It's, it's part of the course. Remember what Jesus said? He goes, if they do that to him... What's it going to be like for us? And look, listen to the apostle himself. He goes, look, when I go to every city, I consider my love worth nothing to me if only I may finish the task and testify to the gospel because he knows in every city there's, there's persecution ahead of him. Jesus said the same to us. To the, well, he said it to his apostles and we inherit their calling. It's always important to remember that. Just Katie did apologetics. Another thing... The Bible wasn't written to you, dummy. Okay, it's the first thing uh, my lecturer said to me on my first pastor's conference that I went on to. Dick Lucas, world-famous, renowned church leader and, and the founder of the Proclamation Trust, he said that to us. He put something on the board and he says, Jesus didn't say that to you, dummy. He said it to the apostles. Remember that. He didn't say it to you. He said it to the apostles. We inherit their calling. You remember that? He didn't say to you. And when we inherit something, it goes through transitions, okay? That's another subject on apologetics. Okay, but look, here's what he says, and we inherit this. They will hand you over to the local councils and flog you in their synagogues. 
been flogged recently, we can arrange it. Okay? Yeah, yeah, authentic style, you know, the real stuff. And we're more enthusiastic about doing that to some than others, aren't we? Not mentioning any names. Okay, we can arrange flogins, but hey, this is real. Paul was flogged. Paul was flogged. Jesus warns that they can encounter that. Jesus was flogged. Many of the disciples were. I know it's a bit different for us. We don't have that in the West here. But the point is just simply this. Hey, we can expect and we should expect. Jesus said it in John 16, trouble. But no amount of trouble should stand in the way of gospel work. The gospel has to continue. Lastly, and finally, to, uh, finally for today, I'm getting myself mixed up there. Put the gospel ahead of, and I guess this is one that may be more relative to our Western world, put the gospel ahead of self-interest. Listen to Timothy. I love Paul. I love Timothy too. I have no one, uh, I have no one else like him who takes a genuine interest in, 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 in your welfare. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. And, Paul, and Timothy had really proved himself. He followed Paul around on gospel adventures in places like Ephesus and Thessalonica and Corinth and Rome. And you know, you know Timothy, was, Timothy was even imprisoned for the gospel. This guy has, has done his bit for the gospel. He's put himself out there. Listen to this. I urge you, and, and Paul writes to him, I urge you, as I, as I did when I went to Macedonia, stay in Ephesus so that you may command certain men not to teach false doctrines any longer. Paul is so impressed by this man. He's the leader of the church, Paul. He's the highest member of the Church of Jesus Christ visibly at that time in church history. How high would his second in command be? If he's the highest ranking person in the church at this time, how high is his second in command? Right up there. Who is his second in command? Jesus. Thanks. I think Jesus is, is top. Okay? Okay. Timothy. Timothy. He, he, he leaves him in charge of one of his, one of his churches. Okay, this is a massive, massive playman. Paul has such confidence in Timothy that he leaves him in charge of the church that he loves because Timothy doesn't care about himself but cares only for the gospel. He puts the interests of the gospel ahead of himself. Hey, it's the qualification for serving the kingdom, isn't it? What do we look for? before aptitude. Probably, look, in a small church, you're just looking for anybody, aren't you? <laughs> when you need something doing. But generally, do you know when the church is looking for personnel? Do you know when you apply for churches? And I hope this is the case as a pastor. Aptitude is second on the list. Because this lack of self-interest has to be priority. Look what Jesus said. He goes, look, if anyone comes after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross a lack of self-interest mark 8 if whoever wants to save his life will lose it gospel work putting the gospel first 
demands a Timothy-like attitude. You know, verse 22 of Philippians, you know that Timothy has proved himself. He has served with me in the gospel. He's been everywhere I've been. He's even been imprisoned and he cares little for the gospel. And what do you think Timothy, uh, that was Timothy's inclination, but if you learned it, where do you think he learned it from? Serving with Paul. Where do you think he learned it from? From Paul. Listen to Paul. Thank you, Graham. Galatians 6. May I never boast except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Where does Timothy learn this? From Paul. Paul had died to himself. The cross killed Paul. When he had his conversion encounter... He didn't just take up a cross. The cross assassinated, martyred Paul, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. I read recently Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Incredible book. I forget the title. Um, it's, 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 it's the quintessential one and Timothy Keller does an intro to the new version. Okay, and look... And look, I, I love Bonhoeffer, and, and, and you fall in love with him as you read the book and think, wow, what a man who would put himself out there this way. And this is what he writes. The cross is laid on every Christian. The first Christ suffering which every man must experience is the call to abandon the attachments of this world. It is that dying of the old man which is the result of his encounter with Christ. When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. Part of our calling was to die in order to put the gospel first, in order to be passionate about the gospel. We're going to follow this across all the areas we've looked at over Philippians. You know, dying to suffering, dying to finances, dying to self-interest, dying to our schedule. I think somebody shared in our home group recently, I think it was Julia, you know, how she was busy driving somewhere, but somebody needed a lift on the road. She was passing and she felt the need to go and help them. You know, you know dying to our schedules where we have to be somewhere. No, you don't really. You can turn up five minutes late to pick the kids up. I often do. I have to turn five minutes late sending them to school. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, yeah. I said, no, she's always going back to the car when I'm going there. <laughs> right. Okay, look, hey. Dying, the gospel calls us to die to self, to us, in putting the gospel first. I'm going to close with this. I'm going to close with this. I want to read Revelation to us. I want to say this to you. If we ever need a reason to put the gospel first, to die to self-interest, listen to this. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. Earth and sky fled from his presence and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead. This is the dead of the unconverted world, okay? This is the dead of your neighbour, your relative, your sons and daughters, your uncles and aunties, everybody you love. Okay? 
who is outside of Jesus. This is them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne of God. And books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead, all those who have died without Jesus, the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. Every detail of their lives, every thought. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Do we need any more incentive to put the gospel first? I'll pray. I'll pray to close. I wonder if the musicians would just join us. You can start the background. We're going to be starting the Bible church. Teaching Take the Bible. Take a moment, would you? Let's verse by verse.